What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm Shelly Metling, and I've been sharing my infertility journey openly on YouTube for about a year now. With four losses ourselves and one rainbow baby on the way, I wanted a platform for you babes to share your stories. So girl, sit back, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry, because we are about to get real on the ins and outs of pregnancy loss in the 21st century. You guys, I am so excited for this episode. We have Dr. Laura Shaheen on the call. She is an RE, um, which I have, I was just telling her, I'm like, you know, after four miscarriages, an RE is exactly what we needed to conceive for the fifth time and finally have our rainbow baby, which I just delivered last week. Um, Laura, how are you? (laughs) Great. Thank you so much for reaching out. I'm really excited to to talk with you today. I know. We were just saying how like the universe just kind of brought us together because I've been looking for a medical professional to kind of hop on and help us. I call it the lamb fam. It's life after miscarriage. Us lamb fam girls out a little bit. Um, So Laura, if you just want to just jump right in. We started this conversation and I was like, stop right there. We need to be recording this. <laughs> if you, cause I don't know a whole lot about you. We just recently connected. So if you kind of just want to jump in with, you know, what you all do, cause I know you sure. do a lot and a little background about yourself and how you got into this. Sure. So I am a reproductive endocrinologist at Pacific Northwest Fertility in Seattle, Washington. And in order to, and I'm the director of the Center for Recurrent Pregnancy Loss here at Pacific Northwest Fertility. And the path to get here is pretty interesting. So I went to medical school. I did um, my residency at University of California at San Francisco. So that was where I learned obstetrics and gynecology. And then I did a fellowship at Stanford in reproductive endocrinology and infertility. So I was in school for a really long time. And when I was doing my fellowship at Stanford, my mentor, Dr. Ruth Lottie, was opening up a center for recurrent pregnancy loss at Stanford. So for three years, I trained under her, and I just learned a lot about recurrent pregnancy loss. And what I really appreciated was her um, collaborative approach. So she'd have regular meetings with people from all different walks, you know, gastroenterologists, immunologists. Um, researchers, basic scientists, um, just because, you know, medicine just gets so, so specialized. You just can't read all the articles that are out there. So really a collaborative approach is great. And then I came to Seattle to join this fantastic practice, Pacific Northwest Fertility. And um, a year or two in, I really realized that I was seeing a lot of recurrent pregnancy loss patients, and there really wasn't anybody in the Pacific Northwest that was focused on it. And so in 2010, I opened up a center for recurrent pregnancy loss here in Seattle. And um, I'm very humble. Um, The, you know, I have a lot to learn, even though I've been doing this for years and years. Um, But that's kind of the field. The field still has a lot to learn. And I just realized that I had a unique uh, background and um, passion. And um, I've been helping people ever since. Awesome. We got disconnected for like a split second there, but oh, I, sure. think we, I think we got the gist of it. Um, that's so cool. So like, do you have any personal experience with miscarriage or pregnancy loss or what kind of like drove you to that specialty? Absolutely. I did struggle to have my family in um, okay. different ways and did do IVF. Um, so I, and I understand grief 
Um, Mm -hmm. But um, it's more this um, compassion and interest and uh, training and um, really, you know, a lot of people have a hard time focusing on recurrent miscarriage because there are not very many answers. And it's, you know, you go into the field of medicine to help people. And it's not like high blood pressure where you make a diagnosis, give a pill and, or tell someone to lose weight or something like that. And then all of a sudden they're fixed. Um, there are a lot of things that we still need to learn. Most patients go through an evaluation and don't have a specific answer. Um, and so I was very comfortable with that and, um, and realized that I could still help people, um, along the way and, um, just really enjoy it. A lot of providers are kind of intimidated by it because there aren't a lot of answers and patients really are, have a lot of questions and they're really, um, good advocates for themselves, but it's hard to sit across the table from someone and say, look, I really don't have that answer, but I still think you can have a baby. Yeah. And the longer I did it and the more patients I saw, the more comfortable I got in the gray and realized that I can still give excellent care. Um, even if I don't have a specific answer. Yeah. What I absolutely loved about when we finally got referred to our RE was like, you see an OBGYN and like, yeah, they can like help you to a certain extent, but to like finally see somebody who really like specializes in that avenue when you are going through loss after loss after loss, you, you feel so hopeless. And like, for me, it brought a lot of hope back to just kind of Absolutely. see somebody who was more honed in on that expertise. Um, and it's like, even if they can't find an answer, it was still just like someone who was willing to try. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what's your process when you see a couple come in and they're dealing with reoccurrent pregnancy loss? Sure. So um, we have an intake appointment and that's usually with a nurse practitioner who's going through the history very carefully and going through um, uh, any sort of testing that somebody's already done, and then walks the patients through any additional testing that we'd like to do. Um, At that initial visit, we explain the program a little bit and talk about what options are available, but Mm -hmm. um, really wait for a final plan until we've had all the testing done. Um, I give a copy of my book to the patients at that first visit because I really want people to understand what tests we're doing and exactly what it means. And even though that intake visit is 45 to 60 minutes, it's an hour, you just can't absorb everything. So I want them to have that book as a resource and sort of um, be able to, you know, read a little bit before they come back. And then they come back and see me for that follow-up visit where we go through all the test results, um, talk about the options and come up with a long-term plan. Yeah. What's the most like common reason that you find? Like, I know a lot of the times there isn't reasons. Like for me, there honestly wasn't a re- like a real reason. It was kind of like those, I put quotation, bad luck miscarriages yeah. um, where I was just like having them, but we did. And we had talked about this a little before we hit record here, but uh, we did find out that my my thyroid was a little bit high. So we went mm-hmm. on levothyroxine. I have no idea. And I don't think we ever will know if that's what 
got me through mm-hmm. this fifth pregnancy, but it was a step in the right direction. And I mean, if that is yeah. what got me there, like awesome. But what's kind of like the most common thing that you find through testing? Sure. So the most common cause of first trimester miscarriage is a chromosomal issue in the embryo. And each pregnancy, I say, is a new opportunity. So each pregnancy, it could be a perfect embryo. Mm-hmm. And most patients actually don't get their embryos tested, but it really, truly is. It can be 60, 80% of miscarriages when they're tested show a chromosomal issue. Um, when we're doing a recurrent pregnancy loss evaluation, we're testing the people that are getting pregnant. And so if the reason someone's having miscarriages is, is with the embryo, most of the time you don't find an issue. You yeah. don't find a thyroid issue or a um, chrome, you know, chromosome issue in the parents or a, uh, like a uterine cavity issue. So most of the time at that follow-up visit with me, I'm saying, hey, you have had a thorough evaluation and we have not found a specific issue. Um, and these are your options moving forward. Yeah. That's kind of, I mean, that's kind of what my route was led down to. It was like you, I mean, the way she explained it and like, correct me if I'm like saying this wrong or if you agree or disagree, but the way she explained it was, she was like, you, all of your testing is coming back normal. She's like, you have had, you know, X amount of pregnancies and it just probably so happens that you've had you know, your unlucky pregnancies first, and then you're bound to have a healthy pregnancy at some point. Because we had chatted IVF, and she was kind of like pushing IVF out. She's like, I don't think that that's the route to go right now, just because like, Mm -hmm. I I, she truly believed that eventually we were going to get there on our own. That's Uh, great. How do you like, like I mean, how do you tell a patient that though? Like, like, hey, keep trying. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, well, that's what the studies show. You know, mm-hmm. the studies show as, as long as people, when people are conceiving, they are getting over so many hurdles. You know, egg and sperm like each other. Fertilization is happening. Implantation is happening. Their body is absolutely accepting the embryo and things are getting started. And I really believe that embryos stop developing because of a genetic issue. Most of the time, of course, there are people that have issues and that's why we look for them. But when it's really unexplained, it's probably a chromosomal issue or a genetic issue. And, um, and I, you know, the most common conversation is, okay, your options are to keep trying. And the very next time that you get pregnant, it could be that perfect embryo. And the other option is to use IVF as an embryo selection tool. So if, especially if someone's had a miscarriage and they know that it's a chromosomal issue, then it makes a ton of sense to do IVF because that would have really prevented that miscarriage. Um, IVF can be more efficient. You know, it just takes so much time away from, you know, starting your family. It takes a little bit of time to conceive. It takes some time to figure out if the pregnancy is going to be okay. And then it takes time to recover And so sometimes miscarriages can take six months. That's half a year out of starting your family. Um, But truly, the research shows and the standard of care is still just trying. The standard of care is not necessarily IVF, but it's certainly an option to discuss with people. And that's the most common conversation that I have. And it's such an extreme choice, right? Like try naturally or do IVF. 
and um, which is a heck of a lot more complicated and expensive and um, intervention uh, than trying naturally. But, and I, I, I really do love talking to people about how they make that choice, you know, and some people choose to try naturally because of ethical reasons, you know, they have issues with creating embryos they might not use. Some people choose um, um, to not do IVF mainly for financial burden, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they would love to do it, but they really truly can't do it. Um, I do have a lot of patients that have insurance coverage and for them, they're like, wow, the financial burden is lifted. Of course I want to do IVF. It seems more efficient. Um, and then other times it's really an emotional choice. I mean, sometimes women just come to me feeling so broken that they're just like, I, I know that I could probably do it, but I don't know if it's going to be another one, two or three miscarriages. And if there's any intervention I can do, I want to do it. And so I really try to counsel people if they choose IVF, it's not because they couldn't do it on their own. Like don't come Mm -hmm. to it feeling um, you know, at a loss or dejected or because you feel like you can't do it, make it an empowering choice if at all possible. For sure. Yeah. For us, it was more of like a mental, like how, how close are you to your breaking point? Or like, like that's kind of what we had to ask ourselves. It was like, okay, can we take another hit? Like if that ends yeah. up being the case, you know what I mean? But, Absolutely. um, and we decided to try again, but I, you know, if it would have, if I would have lost another one, I don't know. It, who knows? Maybe I would have been like, yep, we're doing IVF. I'm done. Yeah. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. But no. So when you do testing on embryos, how far along does somebody have to be when they miscarry, like in order to do that? Like um, a chromosome test? Have, sure. So there has to be some tissue to test. So um, if someone has a positive home pregnancy test and then a period, you know, about a week later, um, there's just not enough tissue at that point. Um, That's considered a biochemical miscarriage. But if somebody, Mm -hmm. even if somebody has an empty gestational sac, um, you can collect that tissue and very oftentimes get a result. Interesting. So how many miscarriages do people typically have before they come see an RE? Um, everybody's really different, um, but the, the definition by the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, which is our professional society, says it is absolutely okay to consider an evaluation after two clinical miscarriages. Um, you don't have to wait until three. Um, okay. So that's, that's what the the guidelines say, and they say a clinical miscarriage is, um, something that you can test. Like it gets to the point where you can see something on ultrasound or tissue that you can test. And so that really leaves out a lot of women that are having biochemical miscarriages or early miscarriages. So the European, um, European society of reproductive medicine, they actually updated their guidelines and said, you know, there really are some studies that show that women with recurrent biochemical or very, very early miscarriages still have the same incidence of thyroid issues, immune issues, you know, uterine cavity issues. And so really, you should just evaluate everyone. Like, we don't have to have these limitations because, you know, if you could find a thyroid issue, if you could find a you know, a uterine septum or something that's affecting implantation and you could prevent a subsequent miscarriage, 
why make women have to go through miscarriage after miscarriage? Exactly. Yeah. Because technically all four of mine were chemical pregnancies. So they were all before like that six week mark. Um, yeah. And so, gosh, like I can't imagine like if that, you know, if I wasn't taken, not like taken seriously, I don't know the right word, but like if they didn't see me because of that, cause they weren't technically clinical, like the mental process of even going through that, like, it's just so insane. Like oh, I remember you... our, insu- our insurance sent us like a letter, like, Oh, we're not going to pay for this. And I was like, well, then you're going to pay for me to go to the loony bin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You're so fortunate that you found a provider that took you seriously because there are a lot of yeah. women that would have gone to a doctor with your story and they wouldn't have, done any testing they would have blown you off they would have you know said oh it's not a real miscarriage or it's Mm -hmm. just a biochemical miscarriage Ugh. I mean I just you know when you're trying to have your family a missed period with or without a positive pregnancy test feels like an eternity and it feels like a grieving process so just to be I'm so fortunate you are so fortunate that you found someone that took you seriously for sure I totally agree. Um, now you had mentioned your book. I want to talk a little bit about that because I don't, I don't know much about it. What, like, what's your book about? What do you all talk about in it? Sure. So it's called Not Broken, An Approachable Guide to Miscarriage and Recurring Wait, I loss. bought that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a chapter into it and I didn't even realize you were the author oh of it. Oh my God, that is awesome I literally have it in the other room oh my god okay now now I'm like fangirling (laughs) now I'm all hot and sweaty (laughs) you are killing me that is so funny yeah so I wrote that (laughs) you're hilarious oh my god oh my god you had no idea what was gonna happen no this is making me so happy right now I think you're blushing (laughs) I'm just kidding. I am. I'm like really hot. <laughs> You're funny. Okay. Yep. That's me. So that is. Well, um, tell everyone else. Uh, tell everyone else about it. Okay. Because so, it was actually recommended to me. Oh, yay. Oh, my God. That means so much to me. So this was absolutely a passion project. You know, I've had my, I've been seeing recurrent pregnancy loss patients since um, 2000, well, in, in the center here since 2010. And I honestly just really found that I was saying the same thing over and over again, and that um, patients were having the same questions over and over again. And, um, and I do write, I have um, a blog and um, I had written a book on an integrative approach to fertility care with an acupuncturist before. So I really enjoyed writing and, um, you know, I, I just really felt that it could help people. It, and I also, I started looking for a book for my patients. I it didn't really come, I didn't think to myself like, oh, I'm going to write a book. I ordered everything I could find online and I just honestly didn't like any of them. You know, they were either, I mean, for what I wanted for my patients, um, cause every book has a great unique properties, but what I found were, um, outdated, you know, books, um, with old testing or very, um, you know, science-based and sort of like if a doctor wrote it, it was just like super thick and just heavy to read. And I was like, Oh my gosh, if I was a patient, I wouldn't want to read this. 
or I found um, just accounts of personal people, you know, providing hope and doing lovely, wonderful, supportive, hopeful books, but it wasn't really medical. And so I wanted something in between. And so um, I wrote it and um, my neighbor did the artwork on the front cover and my friend is a science editor and we self-published and I just have been getting the word out organically and it's been amazing. Yeah, I love, um, I mean, I'm not that far into it, but it's, it is, it's like scientific, but it's like scientific in a way that like someone who's not scientific can understand it (laughs) good yeah good like um when my patients do read it they say you know it just sounds like you're talking to me Dr. Shaheen like it's just really nice and then but I also did include references right because I I have read books for patients and they'll make these big sweeping claims like you know the most common cause of miscarriage is this and then they won't reference it and I'm like I mean, I know there are references, but I mean, patients mm-hmm. are smart and they can find things on the internet and you should, you know, write lead in them in the right that, direction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And not, you know, and so I just, I kind of wanted to do both. So cool. Everyone mm. needs to check that book out and <laughs> yeah. And check out her Instagram and put a face, put a face to the name. (laughs) So you you don't end up like me where you're like talking to someone and you're like, wait, what? (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This literally made my day. So, okay. If people want to be able to follow you and find you, where can they do so? Or like, what's the best way? Sure. So, um, I do have a website. It's drlaurashaheen.com. Um, and that's where all my blog posts are. And it has links to, um, you know, podcasts like these, like I, I want people to, to be able to, to hear things, um, and see things. And then, um, I'm having so much fun with Instagram. Let me tell you, it is just such a creative outlet. So, um, my, and other social media, all my handles are Dr. Laura Shaheen. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, Dr. Laura Shaheen. Awesome. And I'll link that in the description of this podcast as well so that it's super easy for everyone to follow you. Um, is there anything that like any advice you would give mm-hmm. to somebody who's going through either infertility or reoccurrent pregnancy loss um, as like a medical professional? Like what would that be? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's really important to be your own advocate. I think especially a woman navigating healthcare um, often just um, keep looking for someone that listens to you. You know, uh, if you think about endometriosis, it's like average, average takes eight years for a woman to be, you know, correctly diagnosed with endometriosis, even though she's been in pain for eight to 10 years, right? And um, miscarriage, you know, if you find somebody that doesn't take you seriously, and, you know, just blows you off and sort of says, oh, just keep trying, honey, um, I'm, sometimes I am actually saying that, right. I'm saying like, Hey, let's do the testing and make sure we're not missing anything. And then I really believe in you just like you're already, like, I believe you can do it. And I believe the next pregnancy really could be, you know, the one we've been waiting for. I'm kind of saying the same thing, like just keep trying, but it's totally different. And it's, mm-hmm. and we've made sure that we haven't missed anything. Um, and you know, another thing is by being your own advocate, Um, It is important to read and learn and and get knowledge, but please don't believe everything you read on the internet. You know, women with miscarriages are, 
um, and just even struggling to have their family. They're so vulnerable and they, mm-hmm. it's so easy to play into society's bias that anything that has to do with reproduction is the woman's fault and that it's her body and that her body is rejecting this perfect embryo and that it's, you know, a glass of wine you had or exercise or stress and just it's such a coping mechanism to try to find that thing that that you as the person who's trying to conceive or is doing wrong you know because if you can find that wrong thing you can change it and then you don't have to have that pain again so there there is beauty to to living a healthy lifestyle and being receptive to getting pregnant but it just shouldn't turn into being a martyr and being really negative about yourself and turning it into a self-worth thing. So find things that fill you up and, you know, work on stress management. And I tell patients, um, gosh, I'm just full of it. I just keep talking. But one more thing. Um, I really do talk to people about, um, you know, a a choice is to stop trying, like maybe choosing Mm -hmm. not to be a parent. And that's a really valid choice. And I have had patients that do that. And I just really want to talk to people and say, it's okay if you make that choice, but it's if it, you're making that choice because you've given up hope or you haven't found somebody to really listen to you, um, that's not okay. I love that. Yeah. So, so true. Well, thank you so much, Laura. Is there anything that we like skipped around that you wanted to say or? Um, well, I do have, I do have another book that I think is really cool that I'll okay. make sure that you get a copy of it. Um, So, so many times when I'm talking to my patients about miscarriage and how, um, how they deal with it, and we're really focusing on the emotional impact, um, we really talk about how their interactions with their family and friends have been. Because sometimes I'm seeing people after they've had several miscarriages, and they're like, I don't even tell anybody I get pregnant anymore. And I'm kind of like, why? Because like, that's right when you need your support and your tribe, you know? And they're like, because they always keep saying the wrong things. And so I wrote a book. It's a, it's kind of like a big gift card. It's meant to, it's illustrated and it's meant to be something that you can give somebody that's having miscarriages when you okay. don't know what to say. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. And so it's, um, it's actually called Not Broken Illustrated. Um, and so sometimes people get confused because they're looking up for not broken and they'll see two different things. One is like a kind of a textbook and like testing evaluation treatment. Mm-hmm. And the other is this sort of gift. And um, it basically is beautiful illustrations. And it's sort of like um, in pictures and sort of simple words, like when you're pregnant, you know, you sort of you're full of hope and and everything is in the future and great. And then when you miscarry, you feel shattered. And so like the bowl kind of falls and shatters. And then um, with each page, it's like, you know, you are not alone. This is not your fault. Um, You know, you can build resilience to try again. You are not broken. You are so cool. (laughs) I'm really enjoying it. And you're, you're sweet. Thank you so much. Uh, I loved having you on here and yeah, thank you so much for joining us and kind of just sharing your wisdom. Thank Uh, you. All right. We will, we will chat soon. Okay. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Yep. Bye-bye. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.